Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Young Actors Theatre Camp Podcast. I'm AJ Hamilton. I'm here with Sean Ryan and Valerie Dore. It's our first podcast, y'all. Yeah. I know this is not AJ's first podcast. He is a <laughs> podcast aficionado. I've always wanted to be on a podcast my whole life, and to get to host one is so incredible. How are you feeling in this moment, Valerie Dore? It's not our first podcast either. We have had YTC Live. As we usually say in our office, <laughs> did I enjoy it? Did I have fun? Was I there? You were there and you loved it. You weren't there for every episode, but you were there. Well, they, to be fair, AJ, they yeah. used to tell me that it was an actual talk show that I was on. Right. So I was always confused why there wasn't a studio audience, you know, but, but we did <laughs> actually film all of these amazing it was interviews, interviews they, and stuff. Yeah. 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 With past, uh, uh past Yaddick, uh, alumni and yes. Candy uh, Milo did every oh my voice gosh. she knew. <laughs> um, Andrea Markovi, Andrea Markovici, Jim O'Hare. Mm -hmm. So, but this is the one that they're listening to that's currently just on the airwaves. Is that, it, well, how do you say it in <laughs> podcast world? Currently on air. It, yeah, right. sure. Right. Very yeah. Good. I like and that. This, invited on AJ's podcast. So well, I wouldn't know the I, terminology. You're here now. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Gaspacho, for the invite. <laughs> I appreciate it. We will definitely be your three hosts through this really weird world of the Young Actors Theater Camp podcast, where we'll be listening to these interviews of all these amazing guests that we have at camp. This is the magic that goes on that you're missing out if you're not at summer camp. Yes, and for parents who are listening and, and siblings, they get to like hear what their family members are learning about at camp while we interview all of these working professionals, because... I don't know about y'all, but I have found it to be a very amazing thing to be able to sit and chat with some of the greatest minds of the arts today. Um, I mean, this summer we're chatting with people like John Walker, who created The Incredibles. Right. We're chatting with uh, Ruby Wood, who is Nate in Better Nate Than Ever. Oh. Of course, we've got like Kate Rockwell and Christina Alabato from Mean Girls. Today's guest, yes. though. Today, very special. This is a special guest, and we are releasing this podcast on a very special day, mm -hmm. which is her birthday. Um, I think we should all share a little knowledge about how we met today's guest before we inter uh, before we you know intro the interview. Absolutely. I first met Karen Moore when I was 14 years old, and she was a very popular cheerleader at our school. She doesn't really like to talk about the fact that she was a very popular cheerleader, but she was. <laughs> and I was a very unpopular drama kid. And all I wanted to do was be a part of the cheer squad. So what I did was I signed up to be the mascot. Yeah. Now, please don't hold this against me and please don't cancel me, but our <laughs> mascot was the Amador Dawn, which was a Spanish oh. warrior. So I decided to be the mascot so that I could mm -hmm. be a part of the cheer squad. Heck yeah. Because they wouldn't let me be a powder puff boy Aww. and they wouldn't let me be a cheerleader back in 1947. Mm -hmm. So we put a giant paper mache head mm -hmm. on me <laughs> and a Dawn costume and kids would throw cans of Coke empty at my paper mache head. I don't understand what that represents, but that sounds fun. It was very bizarre. I only did it for about six months, and then Karen Moore felt so bad that she came over to the drama side. Yeah. So she was like, wow, how did you get that bravery? And I was like, well, I do drama, and you should come be a part of <gasps> drama with me. I said, we Fantastic. got Shakespeare, we got Mac and Mabel, we got anything you want. And so Karen Moore came over to the dark side of the drama club and never looked back her sophomore year. And then we've been friends ever since. And that's literally 30 years to the day. Wow. 
Today Dang. is the day we met. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Wouldn't that be amazing? No. Um, Valerie, how did you first meet Karen Moore? I also met Karen Moore when I was 14 years old. Um, oh but I was a camper at the Young Actors Theater Camp. And she was teaching the classical theater department. She was also teaching directing and costume design. Um, I was doing costume design at my high school already. I was already interested in directing. And I just fell in love with how passionate she was yeah. about everything that she does in all areas of theater. And... Um, I will never forget the very first compliment I got from Karen, which was about one of my costume designs. And she said, I want to wear that. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me 37 years later. <laughs> and um, uh, the year was 1920. And it was a great time. And every moment I spend with Karen, I cherish and I love because she is such an incredible person she's the most incredible mom the most incredible teacher and instructor she just gives her whole soul to everything that she does absolutely and i love and adore her (laughs) happy birthday karen we love you so you want to know something very weird that's all coinciding right now i met karen 14 years ago what how weird how so freaking weird. I started at this camp 14 years ago as a counselor. I'm the tech director now. And um, I remember really admiring what she was doing in the Shakespeare class. And then actually, I don't, I think it was the first winter that I taught. I taught with her. I co-taught one of the Shakespeare classes and it was so enjoyable. I, I, and I haven't gotten back to teaching until the last couple of years where I've been doing podcasting and voiceover. And I just absolutely, that, that, uh, taste of teaching with her was absolutely exhilarating. She has an unparalleled knowledge for Mm -hmm. Shakespeare and classical theater in general, and also an unparalleled passion for it. Mm -hmm. So I think when kids see her teach for the first time, they're like, oh, you're like full on geeked out about this. Like (laughs) they can see just how in love with it she is. She actually, uh, her dream place to live was Ashland, Oregon, the home of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And she moved there some years ago with her family so that she could raise her kids in her dream place. And it's like absolutely heaven on earth to be there with her and to get to see her wander around Ashland and see all that magic. And if it wasn't Stratford-upon-Avon, Ashland, Oregon is a good second. Hello. (laughs) So this was our very first full day of the summer of 2022 Mm -hmm. in session number one. And Karen is our inaugural guest on the Young Actors Theatre Camp podcast. I wouldn't have it any other way. Take it away, AJ. Oh, my God. So Karen currently resides as our conservatory director, the program that happens during Session Awesome where students get to come and learn how to be professional actors, where they come off book. I heard some snickers from casts earlier. (laughs) Where they come off book and they come ready to be able to learn how to do a professional production. I think um, when Karen and I met, we were 14 years old and we started in theater in the East Bay of Northern California. And we always were taught by our teachers that the process of rehearsal was still to be memorizing until 
I think we decided last night, sometimes we were memorizing as we were putting on our makeup for the show, mm-hmm. which Many was bad. Still, yep. What else do you think in our upbringing were things that we should have been taught differently about <laughs> how to do a professional production from scratch? Yeah, I think probably, I mean, certainly being, being off book wasn't um, expected on day one. And I think that that is critical. I think it opens you up to being able to be so much more creative throughout the process. I always say to our cast, we can't have any fun until you get the book out of your hand. We can't do any of the fun stuff. So that's super, super important. And I think the other thing that was never really, really taught to us was how to take care of ourselves when we're in production and rehearsal. And we would be so burned out by the time we got to tech week or if not, then certainly by opening night. And sometimes you had lost your voice by then, or sometimes you were so overtired that you had no energy. And you know, we were still balancing our schoolwork and life drama as teenagers, which I'm sure none of you know anything about. Um, and it was a lot. And so we were never told how to stay healthy and like take self-care was not even, a, I think, a phrase in the 90s when we were in high school yet. Um, and now I feel like, just yesterday in our first rehearsal, we started with that. Like, you have to take care of your body. Your body is your instrument. Your voice is your instrument. And it has to stay healthy and strong and happy so that you can deliver your best performance. I wish we had learned that earlier. Yeah, I think in a lot of terms, too, you did say something that I will give credit to kids for, is that you are doing two full-time jobs when you do a show. You're still students. And you're putting on a production. And I think most smart theater directors out there in the community and schools um, are doing the junior versions of things so that they don't overtax you. So they're not asking you to sing way beyond what you've learned to sing at that point. Or to do a shorter version of a show so that everything can come together. But imagine, like in our process of Into the Woods this summer, everyone's coming off book. And when someone explained it to me this way, it really sunk in for me. Right brain and left brain. And I think left brain is the creative. Yeah. Yes. So right brain is the memorization. And until the memorization and the logic comes into play, you really can't switch to left brain to, like you said, have fun, Mm -hmm. make interesting choices, just go all out. Because you're always switching back to right brain of like, wait, what's my next line? Mm -hmm. What's my next line? And really when that becomes a part of your body, then you can just have fun. What, when we go back to the days of... (laughs) yesteryear, we're going to age ourselves, but we met 30 years ago. What first drew you to theater? I was a very dramatic child. I mean, I I was. I was the youngest of three, two older brothers, and I would put on little recitals in my dining room and force my family to watch. I mean, from a very young age. So I think it was about that. And then it was about learning that, that, that I was an artist. I wasn't just dramatic. You know, like sometimes we're labeled as kids as like, oh, that kid is so dramatic and it just blows everything out of proportion, makes such a big deal of things. No, you're actually like an artist who is looking to, to figure out what your craft is and then like, oh, that's what I am. I think that's what it was. And it wasn't until middle school, I was in my first play, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. I'm sure you guys are super familiar with that one. Um, <laughs> and I was the princess. And I had my first moment of being in a play on stage with a script with like a process where it was like I could channel all of that cheesy dramatic energy into art. And it just was like, just switch. It just clicked. What then, um, because of course, uh, 
theater direction came out of theater performance. Mm -hmm. Where did that theater directing bug first bite you? That was in college for me, and it was because I had a mentor, Edgardo de la Cruz, who was a fantastic um, uh, person. He was a professor who had this philosophy about what theater is, and theater is metaphor. And I was just like, it took me like all of college to really, really unpack what that meant. But basically, everything that happens on stage is representing something, and it has a metaphor to it. So nothing can happen by accident. And that, that's, that idea and that concept really connected with me, thinking like, if, if I'm directing a show and I'm going to have like a giant red chair in the middle of it, like, you can't just put a giant red chair on stage. It has to mean something. It has to be relative to the story. It has to evoke emotion in the audience. And I found that that challenge of directing a play and having everything need to be um, meaningful, just so cool. And, and, that, and I connected to that, that with Shakespeare also. Like, the, the, that became kind of my real specialty. And at what point... Because I think we really talk a lot at camp about turning performance into art. Mm -hmm. So performance is like memorization, regurgitation, saying it with inflection. I know where I'm supposed to stand. But when we turn it into art and we get to really paint with all the colors that are in our soul, did Shakespeare show you, was Shakespeare the first, when you met Shakespeare, um, was Shakespeare the first person who showed you about interpretation because I know when I saw Shakespeare when we were in high school and we would go to like the Oregon Shakespeare Festival mm -hmm. and we would see like, I remember seeing like Julius Caesar in the 1980s in New York on the stock market. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh? Mm -hmm. Like you could do this with this play? So where, this is such a roundabout question. How did you find the ability and confidence and bravery to interpret work no just a small <laughs> little six question. months to think about also the what's your sign <laughs> i'm a leo cancer cusp um the uh i think it was the first shakespeare play i saw was when i was 13 i went to ashland with my grandparents and we saw richard the third which most kids don't start with the histories when you get introduced to shakespeare like most parents aren't like let's go see a history it's a three and a half long, hour long play and I was mesmerized. It was like one of those magical moments. I really felt like I was watching something happening in another language I'd never heard before, and I understood every word of it. And that's like a spiritual experience I can't totally explain. I've always felt like that about Shakespeare. But that was the first time I'd seen it staged, and it wasn't done in the time period that the play was written. So I was... I never met Shakespeare in a traditional format, except in the classroom, which is how most of us meet it. Um, and so I just felt like what, what blew me away about that play and changed my life completely had nothing to do with how it was intended when it was written. It was about what the story and the characters and the director, like what they were trying to get across in that moment, if that makes sense. So I had the, the extraordinary like, good fortune of seeing Shakespeare performed in a very like, different interpretation way for the first time. So I didn't have to break any kind of like, preconceived idea. 
But it is hard. You have you have purists who will be like, ugh, like that. They get so frustrated that you're you're messing with the classics. But for any of you who are, or any of you Shakespeare fans, like, yeah, there's something so ridiculously timeless about it, and that's why we still perform them to this day. Like, what other work do we really? I mean, the Bible, I guess, has lasted, right? What else? Like, there's not a whole, there's not a whole lot of other stuff that just is so relevant still. So um, it's just in it. It's in the work. It wants it. It wants to be interpreted that way. I love that. What, um, in terms of like, I think we have a, a teacher that's uh, coming up on a future podcast, uh, Titian Lish, who we actually both went to school with as well. It's funny yeah. how much of our little theater community has stayed together yeah. but she always talks about the idea of like when we say to kids especially who are looking at the performing arts as a possibility for their future we say like oh it's a very difficult business to get into and we sort of say like you're either like in school or community theater trying it out or you're winning the Tony or the Academy Award and you're successful and Titian always says you can live a creative life without having a life in the creative arts it's like, it's part of our souls. So I remember when I went to Karen's house, gosh, I don't even know how old your kids were, but I think Ben was probably 10, which would have made Issa seven or six, uh, three and one. Karen has 342 children um, from the ages down. <laughs> and when I remember when I went to your house one day, there was a board that had like chores, like in my house, same thing, like sweep, you know, help do the dishes, help make dinner. And then there was another side that said, um, looking for something to do, do a puzzle, paint a painting, write a play. And I literally just stood and stared at this board forever. Like, what if my parents had had a board that had encouraged us to write a play? And even still at dinner two nights ago, we were sitting um, with Antonio and Mateo and literally instantly they pulled out paper and just started sketching me, which I thought was so lovely. It was definitely me. It wasn't an anime character that was to make me look younger. But, um, but that is living a creative life. And I think yeah. so often we're not fortunate enough to have an artist as a parent who helps us see that through. So imagining that we don't have someone to encourage us every day, what are things that we can do as artists to get up every day and not wait for the phone call from the agent saying you have an audition? How can we live our best creative lives on a daily basis? I think being here is your first big step. You've all made an extraordinary commitment to be here and your families or your support system have helped to get you here. And that is an extraordinary blessing. So I think taking everything that you're gonna learn in the next couple of weeks into your day-to-day -day lives is a big part of that. And I think it, I, have the, I have the extraordinary fortune of having incredibly artistic kids where I have come to realize that part of my art as an artist is encouraging them. And so I don't, I'm not a professional artist. I don't make a living in theater art. But I know that because my kids are all artists, that supporting, encouraging them, challenging them with their art is part of me creating too. So I think building a support system in your communities at home where you encourage other artists and they encourage you mm. is is part of that start start building yourself a community of of people who are creative like you who can challenge you who can inspire you and vice versa because we all have a role to play in our own 
artistic development, and then I think we really all have a role to play in encouraging everyone around us to do the same. And I think there's so much, when you just touched on professional, of course it is a goal of so many people to make money doing art. Like that's, obviously you have to pay bills, you have to live your life. But it's so funny in the, in the world how many jobs we all have that, don't, that aren't paid jobs, mother, <laughs> um, intern, uh, you know, there are all these jobs in the world that we do that aren't paid jobs that offer probably more than some of the paid jobs to the universe. Mothering, I mean, parenting is a huge job that you never get credit or pay for um, until your family makes very, very, very successful <laughs> art and then <laughs> keeps you alive for the rest of your life. Um, I'm planning on being a part of that. Um, but But it's so interesting, too, to know that just because you're not paid for your art, that does not discredit your art in any way. Oh, please, right now, everybody close your eyes and make the commitment to yourself. I promise to detach my art from money. I promise to detach my art from money. If you start to say at any point in your life that your art doesn't have enough value because it's not producing an income, then you're gonna start to lose your sense of self and your sense of, of what you create for. I promise to detach my art from money. And then I bet you anything, it's gonna start, it will make you money at some point if that's the path that's right for you. But if you depend on it, if you start to say, I'm only, an art, I'm only a real artist if I'm a professional artist making a living this way, that will just strip you of all the joy that you get. It really will, it doesn't, that's not, um, it's not gonna serve you. Yeah. Rapid fire questions. <laughs> Rapid fire. <clears throat> Favorite Shakespeare piece? Um, measure for measure. Why? Because Isabella is an extraordinary female character. Would you say underdone pieces? Mm -hmm. Like o overdone pieces or uh, balcony? Uh, oh. <laughs> um. Over, what, what's the most overdone Shakespeare? Probably to be or not to be. Yeah, but there's that Isabella is just, there's so many wonderful pieces in that. She's just, uh, I mean, she's a, she's a fierce and incredible character. Easiest way to find accessible ways into Shakespeare. Don't, don't think that English class is where Shakespeare wanted you to learn about him. Oh, he's rolling over in his, grave thinking that you all are like turn the page read out loud in class go see it go to go to the park go to community theaters find a way to see it live because it and there's some fantastic films too um but please don't think of it as like literature that was intended to be read in the classroom that was never the point favorite pre-show ritual um i think doing the <laughs> doing the, uh, the prologue from Romeo and Juliet as a vocal warm-up. Oh. Two households. Do you remember Gavin Creel? Yes. Yeah. Uh, she just said, do you remember Gavin When he Creel. was teaching a class, I was in the back. He's, I mean, I can't even look at him. I'm so obsessed with him. Um, he was teaching a class, and he was up here with Sean doing an interview, and I was at the back of the room, and he was like, that's what I do for my vocal warm-up is um, two households, both alike in dignity. Uh, the whole, and I stood up. And he like looked at me and he was like, oh, you, and we said it together. <laughs> oh, it's still gonna make me tear up. It was so emotional, but that is a great vocal warm up. Sorry, rapid fire, long I love answer. it. 
I'm going to ask you three more rapid fires that are super, super, I mean, just tell us first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Favorite musical? Hair. <gasps> Is it because Gavin Creel was in the <laughs> revival? <laughs> um, I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite YATC moment? Uh, seasons of Love on New Year's Eve. Mm. Standing around on New Year's Eve. Yep. Uh, other than Gavin Creel, who's worked his way into our interview 16 times now, favorite YATC teacher? Um, I think Sutton Foster was pretty inspiring and, um, and so cool and kind of nerdy and neat and just fun to be around. I liked her. Absolutely adore her. Piece of advice you wished you had had when you were a youngster? Be nice to yourself all the time. Like, just always be like your biggest fan because you need it. You're gonna need it when you're older and you need it now. We end there. I can't say anything else. You're an amazing human. I'm so glad you're my best friend. I'm so sad for everyone listening that Karen Moore is not your best friend. <laughs> She's mine. Huge round of applause. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Come on. Ugh. Do you hear that cheering at the end? It, Those kids were absolutely blown away by her. It's the, the best part about being in any conference, any retreat, but especially at Young Actors Theater Camp for me, is getting to see the kids' faces as they hear some of these genius ideas from these just marvelous artists that they never heard before. So they're hearing things like, like Karen, I mean, all this wonderful advice Karen just gave that these kids have never heard before. And they are going to go on to do remarkable things because of the advice that they got from and, Karen Moore today. And that advice comes from however many 21 years that she's been teaching at this camp. And, and it comes from her soul and it comes from experiencing every single one of those kids and their growth. And you can tell in every word that she speaks that she truly loves doing this. And she gives the absolute best advice. Mm -hmm. And you want to listen to every word she says because every word is carefully selected. Mm -hmm. She knows exactly what she wants to say. And it has such weight and such meaning. So profound. And if you, if, if you feel like it, you should probably listen to this episode again. To get all of it, all of that advice from it. You and know? this time, get your notebook and start taking some notes because Karen has yeah. the best advice. And also rate and subscribe, right? And happy birthday, Karen. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Happy birthday to the world's best friend. Absolutely. We love you so happy much. Birthday. And we're so happy that you were our original inaugural original guest is that yeah sure i mean like is that go back to like og like when we're like you're the original guest on the mm -hmm. young actors theater camp pod that's correct we'd like to thank our fabulous crew at the young actors theater camp the staff the amazing technical crew obviously our mascot gazpacho if you have not gotten to meet gazpacho matt mccoy who's been dancing in the background for this entire podcast <laughs> just to make us smile and laugh our associate director valerie door i'm your camp director sean ryan and of course our producer and wonderful technical host aj hamilton thank you thank you for all listening to our inaugural podcast episode um follow us on all of the platforms we have twitter uh facebook youtube uh, TikTok. 
Oh, that's we... actually one of our uh, our most newest uh, platforms, isn't our it? Our most, most newest, newest platforms. That's right, correct. It really is. I feel like the three of us are really bringing like a Sean Hayes, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman vibe. <laughs> and I really think that mm-hmm. we should mm-hmm. give Smartless a run for its money. I think we can. I think we're going to do it. Absolutely. Maybe we should have them on as competition guests. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Who's who, though? AJ, are you Will Arnett? I'm Will Arnett, of course. Okay. And Sean, are you Sean? Okay. I'll be Jason Bateman. <laughs> yeah, Jason you Bateman's will. Cool. Absolutely, you will. There's always money in the banana stand. There is. <laughs> and you should also follow us on Instagram. That's right. Absolutely. Thank you. And all of that is at CampYTC. Branding. And our website is CampYTC.com. <laughs> Thank you all so much for following and subscribing and rating and it also helps if you leave us a review on apple podcasts and remember y'all while your friends are binging netflix you can learn how to be on it here at the young actors theater camp podcast